Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year, every year. And thanks again for joining us for another installment of Another Christmas Story. This week's chapter, which is technically last week's chapter, chapter 36, will be read to you by Matt Spaulding of Two Broke Geeks, the FBI's Most Unwanted, and GreenMountainSanta.com. Now, for the record, I fully intended to release Chapter 36 last Thursday, and you might recall I said our very own Tom Crow was supposed to read it. However, there was a mix-up and Tom read Chapter 37, which I had also assigned to Kim Cooper of Planning for Christmas. So nobody ended up reading Chapter 36 last week. So, rather than read it myself, and feeling way too bad to ask Tom to re-record or Kim to re-record, because I assume the mix-up was mine somewhere along with the scheduling, I decided to ask good friend of the show, listener of the show, Matt Spaulding, to help me out, and he did. So, he read Chapter 36, Happy Xmas, War is Over. So, apologies for being a few days late with this. At least I'm not holding it until Thursday to release this episode along with this week's episode, Chapter 37, which will be read to you by Kim and Tom. That's right, I'm mashing up their chapters, so both of them will get credit for this week, and I figured it would be nice at this point to change things up a bit. I'm releasing it today, Tuesday, October 12th, so I hope you all don't mind you get two chapters this week, with one coming on Tuesday and one coming later this week on Thursday, October 14th which just so happens to be my mother's birthday, so happy birthday in advance, Mom. But anyway, with that, let me pass it over to Matt to read to y'all chapter 36 of our tale, again entitled, Happy Xmas, War is Over. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Matt and this is another chapter of Anthony's book, Another Christmas Story. This is the part of the episode where Anthony says I can plug anything I want, so... I'm gonna. Uh, I do two podcasts. I do the Two Broke Geeks podcast with my friend Justin. It is just a uh, general geeky topics podcast. Uh, not safe for work, unlike uh, Tis the Podcast. And also with Justin, I do an X-Files podcast called The FBI's Most Unwanted, the conceit of which I am a longtime X-Files fan. Justin has never seen it. We are watching it episode by episode, and he is discovering the show as I watch it for uh, the millionth time, I guess. That's not a correct number, but you get the idea. Also, and uh, this one is uh, <clears throat> just for the parents, uh, just because it's, it's, it's not anything bad, but it is just for the parents. 
Ready? Parents? Just you? Okay. I am also a professional Santa, so if your child would like to talk to Santa via Zoom, right at the North Pole this Christmas season, you can do that. You can find me at www.greenmountainsanta.com. You can see all, uh, all my outfits and everything right there, and there's a contact form, so you can get in touch with me, and uh, we can set that up. So, all that being said, time to move on to my chapter of Another Christmas Story. Chapter 36. Happy Christmas, War is Over. December 24th, 9.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There are only five minutes left, five minutes until their secret Christmas Eve phone call with the Kremlin was supposed to take place. The President of the United States, the Prime Minister of Canada, and the Prime Minister of England were alone in the conference room on the 14th floor of the Plaza Hotel, waiting, all of them silent and wrapped up within their own private concerns. Emily Williams paced the length of the long room, fiddling with her golden watch and throwing surreptitious glances out of the windows at the falling snow, which finally appeared to be lightening slightly, even if it was still heavy enough to obscure Central Park. Nathan, meanwhile, was sitting at the end of the table farthest from the giant television screen hanging on the wall, muttering under his breath as he worked his fingers up and down the rosary beads he clutched tightly in his hands. Miranda was sitting at the table as well, her bottle of perfume resting on the surface in front of her, which she would absentmindedly pick up at odd intervals to squirt liberal amounts on herself. The president glanced at her foreign counterparts guiltily, remorseful over the fact that she was about to blindside them with a change of plan while on the line with the Kremlin. Meeting to ensure that they'd go along with her plan, however, she finally spoke up to break the deafening silence that had settled over the room. Do you mind if I take the lead during the conversation? Nathan and Miranda both looked up at her, shaken from their stupors. It's your country we're in, Emily, the British woman pointed out. Furthermore, it's your plan. We're merely serving as your support. Emily smirked to herself, convinced that the woman would be singing a different tune in a few minutes. Nevertheless, she said, Thank you. No, thank you, Miranda countered with a shrug of her shoulders. The less talking that I have to do personally, the less accountability I'll end up holding with my people back home. Nathan nodded his head in half-hearted agreement, but before he could verbalize his own thoughts on the matter, a loud ringing began to echo throughout the room. Showtime, he murmured, picking up the television remote that laid in the center of the conference room table. Emily quickly took her seat at the end of the table, between the two prime ministers, before nodding at Nathan, who pointed the remote at the television hanging on the wall in order to turn it on. Immediately, three faces filled the screen. President of the Russian Federation, Dmitry Ivanov, his Minister of Defense, Ivan Petrov, and his Chief of Staff, Stanislav Lebedev. Madam President, Ivanov explained, his voice deep and his accent thick and Prime Ministers Dubois and Richardson. His upper lip curled into an annoyed sneer. What an 
unexpected surprise. Emily rolled her eyes. There's no need to lie, Dimitri. I've always thought we had a candid relationship. Then, nodding her head in acknowledgement of Ivanov's two underlings, she stated, Ivan, Stanislav, Madam President, both men replied in greeting, Prime Ministers. You say we have a candid relationship, Ivanov began, completely ignoring the pleasantries. Yet you lied about the nature of our call. I was under the impression that it would be just us. That is, of course, until I saw that the Prime Ministers would be in New York touring the city. I'm smart enough to put two and two together, you know. I thought you'd be happier to see us, Dimitri, Miranda confessed breezily. I'm always happy to see you, Madam Prime Minister, Ivanov stated without missing a beat. How do you enjoy spending Christmas Eve in Manhattan? I think I had more fun than Miranda did, Nathan joked. Well, you know, Miranda shrugged, if you've seen one concrete jungle, you've seen them all. Indeed, Ivanov inclined his head slightly. So tell me, to what do I owe the pleasure of this holiday phone call? Emily silently sized up her Russian counterpart. Though Ivanov was seated, he still struck an imposing figure. His jaw looked as though it were chiseled from stone. And though his hair was gray and receding, his face was wrinkle-free. His permanent smirk, however, didn't quite seem to reach his dark, cold eyes, which was admittedly unnerving, and beneath the man's blazer it was clear that he was in impeccable shape. His years of serving in the KGB had done wonders for him. In comparison, his defense minister was short, squat, and wore a suit jacket that appeared three sizes too small, and his chief of staff appeared awkward and gangly and looked as though he were barely old enough to be out of school. The three of us wanted to speak with you about Russia's continued aggression against our countries and our allies, Emily explained, and we wanted to warn you about what's going to happen if it continues. The chuckle that escaped Ivanov's lips was booming and echoed loudly around the long room. <laughs> I always find it funny when NATO accuses others not permitted within their exclusive club of aggression, especially when the hawkish United States is leading the charge. Emily smiled. Yes, well, you're right about one thing. I am leading the charge, and... And I know that we're flirting with the beginnings of World War III, Ivanov interrupted coldly. That doesn't bother you? Nathan asked as he continued to fiddle with his rosary beads beneath the table so that the camera couldn't see. It was bound to happen eventually, Ivanov noted matter-of-factly. You can't say that civilization hasn't had a good run. After all, it's been nearly a century since the last World War. Miranda stared at the Russians in disbelief. Hundreds of millions of people will die if nukes are launched, and untold environmental consequences will befall our planet. There's a reason that people refer to World War III as the final war. 
unfortunate side effects. Ivanov's smirk widened. But if you want to talk environmental consequences, perhaps we should ask the Americans as to why one of their major political parties continues to ignore the threat of climate change. We're here to negotiate a truce with Russia on behalf of all of NATO. Emily straightened up in her chair as she pushed her glasses up the bridge of her nose and ignored the look of confusion that Miranda threw her way. Do you have the authority to do that? Ivanov cocked an eyebrow. Because I was under the impression that other NATO leaders, including Chancellor Schultz, weren't made aware that this phone call was going to be happening. They'll be made aware of it soon enough, Miranda noted darkly. Ivanov laughed as he leaned back in his chair, clearly relishing his position of power. Outside of the conference room, on their end meanwhile, Emily heard a scuffle drawing closer. Loud voices, arguing, and she guessed that their advisors had just been made aware that she had personally called off the airstrikes against Russia without consulting them. We want you to recall your warships from international waters, the president instructed, her voice firm. And uh, why would I do that? Because deep down, I don't think you want another world war to break out any more than we do, Emily responded. I'm also aware of how intelligent you are. You must know that it's in the best interests of not only your country, but also your legacy and you personally to strike a peace agreement with NATO. Imagine. Your legacy could be that of a man who brought Russia back from the brink, back after years of Russia being the boogeyman of the West. It can happen, Dmitri. Look at how highly regarded Germany is nowadays. Who would have ever thought that possible in the immediate aftermath of World War II? Ivanov, a man not easily impressed, actually seemed taken aback by the president's inspiring plea for a moment. Indeed, so did his two aides, who glanced uncertainly at their boss. Finally, the Russian president pointed out softly, The key phrase being in the immediate aftermath of World War II. The war had to happen first in order for that to be made possible. We want you to call back your warships, Emily reiterated, ignoring the man's statement. And we want you to remove your nuclear weapons from your borders. The ones that satellite imagery currently show are pointed at our shores. That's for starters. And uh, what would Russia get in return? What do you want? All NATO sanctions lifted. Nathan balked as Miranda let out a snort of derision. You can't be serious. It's never going to happen. We came here to tell you that you need to stand down, not to negotiate, the British woman threw Emily an angry, pointed look. If you want to prevent the war, there's going to need to be concessions made on your part, Ivan stated, his voice cold. Beside him, both Ivanov and Stanislav nodded their vigorous agreement like the yes-men they were. Then, addressing Emily directly, Ivanov asked, I thought you wanted to negotiate the truce with Russia. We do, Emily stressed, and then, holding up a finger, she quickly said, Give us a moment. 
before either Miranda or Nathan could contradict her. Before the Russian could reply, she hit the mute button on the black polycom on the table in front of them. Then, as one, the leaders of America, Canada, and England swiveled in their chairs so that their backs were facing the Russians. What the hell are you doing? Miranda demanded furiously, her voice an angry whisper despite the fact that there was no way Ivanov could hear the conversation with them on mute. Changing the plan, Emily admitted as she pushed her glasses up the bridge of her nose. By appealing to Ivanov's better angels? Well, that's part of it, yes, Emily said as Nathan stared at the door of the conference room, concerned by the sounds of yelling moving closer to them. I wonder what all the commotion is about, he remarked. Glancing at the door, Emily answered, Another part of the plan. Look, I just... I need you both to trust me. And why should we do that? Miranda snapped, after you changed the plan without informing us. Emily, Nathan began hesitantly, you can't honestly believe that NATO will be willing to negotiate with Ivanov. Agree to lifting all sanctions. All sanctions, em Emily repeated. No, some. If they come to the negotiating table, like the three of us will pledge to do regardless, then possibly. Miranda rolled her eyes. Parliament will never go for this, nor will Canada's, and I doubt your Congress will either, after how easy your predecessor went on Russia. I think I can end the 21st century Cold War without spilling any blood. I know that we can. Together, Emily insisted. Will you trust me? Without spilling any blood, Miranda repeated. You mean besides the people we killed tonight with our strikes? Do you really believe that Ivanov will be willing to negotiate with us once he receives word of that? Emily's stomach constricted uncomfortably as a wave of sickness flooded through her body, making her head spin. About that. Before she could inform her foreign counterparts about what she had done an hour earlier, however, the door of the conference room burst open with a loud clatter. Secretary Wilson, red in the face, a vein throbbing angrily in his forehead, barged in, closely followed by Secretary Hughes, Anna, Gary, Clint, and Melissa. Behind them, the staffs of Miranda and Nathan tried to push their way unsuccessfully into the room as well, causing a buildup of people struggling to fit through the doorway at the same time. Charles, Emily gestured behind her at the television mounted on the wall on which the faces of Ivanov, Petrov, and Lebedev were still visible. We're in the middle of you personally canceled the airstrikes against Russia without letting a single one of us know, Wilson roared, causing the glass of the windows in the room to rattle in their frames. You, what? Miranda's mouth fell open aghast. Even Nathan looked furious. I tried to stop them from barging in, Madam President, Anna began, sincerely apologetic. But it's fine, Anna. Emily reassured her chief of staff. No, it most certainly is not fine, Wilson spat. Do you have any idea what you're doing? 
what you're about to do. Save lives? Emily raised an eyebrow. Perhaps millions of them? You, whether or not you agree with my decision, Charles, I am still your commander-in-chief, and I expect you to treat me as such. Immediately, Charles shut his mouth, cowed by the woman's words, and looking as though he were a small child. Well, you're not mine, Miranda pointed out. How could you call off the airstrikes without talking to us? Why the hell are we even here? What's the point of all this anymore? I'd rather like to know that myself, Nathan remarked, his voice cold. Emily flinched at the words. The man's calm demeanor stung more than Miranda's yelling. I understand you two are upset with me, Emily began. I understand all of you are. She stared around the crowded room. But you only have about two more minutes to decide whether or not you're going to back my play. And before anyone could protest or physically restrain her, Emily spun around in her seat once more and hit the unmute button on the polycom sitting in the center of the table. I'm sorry about that, Dimitri. She addressed the Russian president on the television screen. That took a little bit longer than I thought it would. Nathan and Miranda slowly turned back to face the television screen again, avoiding Emily's eyes. And behind them, the president could sense everyone else tense up. Despite the anger they all clearly felt, they obediently remained silent now that the Russians could hear every sound in the room again. Mm, the crowd in your conference room has grown, I see. Ivanov spoke softly, narrowing his eyes shrewdly. Does your little entourage lack faith in your ability to do your job? Both Ivanov and Stanislav laughed at their boss's question as Emily bristled. No more than yours does, I promise you that. She forced a smile onto her face as the tension in the room kept building quietly. Dimitri, you know perfectly well that the three of us alone can't lift every single sanction that NATO has imposed on you. <laughs> then we have no deal, Ivanov said simply. We have nothing more to talk about. We can, however, advocate on your behalf, Emily stressed. Call for a detente. You have my word. Your word is not worth enough to me to remove my warships from international waters. Ivanov snapped, venom dripping from every word that he spoke. I doubt your own governments will agree to work towards lifting the sanctions, let alone NATO. What would they do without the big, bad Russian boogeyman lurking in the shadows to scare their populaces into line? The reason Western civilization views Russia as the boogeyman, Dimitri, is because you constantly antagonize us. Emily's voice was rising steadily now as her patience quickly evaporated. You violate human rights laws. You have your opponents killed. You advocate against the God-given rights of freedom of speech, religion, press, and protest. You not only rig your own elections, but you meddle in ours as well. God damn it, Dimitri! The president slammed her hands on the conference room table, livid. Beside her, Nathan widened his eyes in surprise as Miranda pursed her lips, leaning back in her chair, breathing deeply. 
Emily pushed her glasses up the bridge of her nose before letting out a bitter, humorless laugh. <laughs> I'm giving you the chance to change the world's perception of Russia. Of you. Ivanov's face expressed disbelief as he and Emily stared at one another, halfway across the world from one another. Do you remember the Christmas truce of 1941? Emily finally asked, softening her voice now. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, World War I. All of the unofficial ceasefires along the Western Front in which French, German, and British soldiers temporarily stopped fighting for the holidays. Many even crossed into no man's land to sing carols, exchange Christmas greetings, talk, play games. She took a deep breath. Even in the midst of the war, to end all wars, the opposing armies put aside their differences for a little while and found common ground. History will judge us one day, Dimitri. All of us. She gestured around the crowded room she was sitting in. It's my hope that when all of the books are written about this pivotal moment in history, they refer to tonight as the Christmas Truce of 2019, whereupon NATO and Russia together took the first steps to de-escalate tensions and approach a long-standing peace between the East and the West. A pronounced silence followed Emily's speech. Not only were Ivanov, Petrov, and Stanislav rendered speechless, surprised by the president's words, but so too was everyone crowded into the conference room around her. In fact, Secretaries Wilson and Hughes looked ashamed of themselves while both Nathan and Miranda stared down at the table, humbled. Anna, meanwhile, beamed proudly at her boss while behind her. Gary had drawn a notepad from his blazer pocket and began silently scribbling a note down into it. Finally, the Russian president conceded, genuinely. Inspiring words, Madam President. But we all know that peace never comes for free. It always has a price. Always. Emily nodded her head. You're right, it does. But this time, the price doesn't have to be the blood of innocent people fighting a war that can be avoided. Look, I'm not delusional, Dimitri. Neither are you. We both know that our differences will take more than a modern-day Christmas truce to resolve. It's going to take building trust over a long period of time between all of us. So, of course, the natural follow-up question to that is, how does Russia know it can trust you? Emily hesitated for the briefest of moments, her mind racing. Then, gripping her lucky watch tightly and praying that she wasn't overplaying her hand, she admitted, Because our initial plan for tonight was to launch airstrikes against you and sink your warships as a show of strength in order to show you that you can't intimidate us and in an effort to get you to back down. You what? Ivanov demanded loudly, outraged. Immediately, he launched into hurried speech in Russian, taking out his anger on both of his aides who were attempting to calm the man in their native tongue. Behind her, meanwhile, Emily could sense her aides bristling with disbelief over the fact that she had admitted their original plan to Ivanov. But we didn't, Emily stressed, her voice firm. 
we decided not to escalate the conflict or spill innocent blood on Christmas Eve. We decided to believe in the best of you, the best of humanity. Ivanov, Petrov, and Stanislav stop talking at this moment in order to listen to the president's explanation. We decided to truly demonstrate the spirit of the holiday season, peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. And we want to aspire to that ideal year-round. But make no mistake, Dmitri, she continued, her voice warning now, if you don't agree to this Christmas Eve truce, don't agree to call back your warships or work toward better relations, we are prepared to take less than desirable measures against Russia. Is that a threat? Ivanov growled. No, it's a promise, Emily assured him. Ivanov considered the president for a moment before leaning over to converse quietly with his aides in Russian once again. As Emily observed them with keen interest, Gary leaned over to her and silently handed her the notepad that he had been scribbling on. Glancing down at it, Emily felt a smile unfurl on her face before she addressed the Russians once more. We were thinking that our symbolic de-escalation treaty could be called the American-Canadian-English-Russian Agreement. The A-C-E-R Agreement for short. She winked at Gary, grateful to him for coming up with a quick, if on the nose, name. I figure that the four of us can sign, and then the other members of NATO can add their signatures after we finalize the specific details. Are you two in complete lockstep with the president on this? Ivanov asked the two prime ministers. Nathan and Miranda stared across the table at one another, trying to communicate without words. Emily waited with bated breath, unsure of whether the irate leaders would back her play. They had remained silent the entire time from the moment that Emily had pulled the rug out from beneath their feet by changing their agreed-upon course of action. Finally, Miranda broke the silence. We wouldn't be sitting here with her tonight if we weren't in complete agreement with her. Frankly, we think it's an inspired plan, Nathan added, as Emily let out a long, drawn-out sigh of relief. And... One that will benefit us all in the long run. For a moment, Ivanov studied the three Western leaders, sitting side by side, ranged together, united. Finally, he barked an order at his aides in his native language again, who in turn exchanged a look of surprise before hurrying from the room. Then Ivanov let out a weary sigh as he acquiesced. I will recall my warships. At the words, Emily felt a rush of elation flow through her and had to refrain herself from letting a cheer escape her lips as the man continued. I'll also sign the symbolic pledge with the three of you indicating our intent to de-escalate tensions and work toward better relations. In the new year, however, we'll have to begin talking specifics as to how we can do that. Consider it my Christmas gift to you. And consider this peaceful solution our gift to you. Emily gestured behind her at her press secretary. Gary will arrange a conference call with both the prime minister's press secretaries and your own in order to coordinate a press release we can get out within the next couple of hours. Very good, Ivanov nodded. I've already sent my chief of staff and his defense minister to give the command to recall our battleships. 
Excellent. If that's all, then, Ivanov continued, I'll let you go. We'll talk after the first, once we've had a chance to speak with our various governments, and you had a chance to discuss all of this with the other NATO leaders. Sounds good to me. Emily pushed her glasses up the bridge of her nose, unable to hide her ecstatic smile. Merry Christmas, Dimitri. Merry Christmas, Madam President. Ivanov inclined his head toward her. Mr. Prime Minister. Madam Prime Minister. Dimitri, Nathan acknowledged. Dimitri, Miranda in tone. And, without another word, Ivanov ended the phone call, causing the television screen they had all been staring at to go dark. Thanks for that, Matt. Your Russian accent was amazing. And listeners, I have to recommend not only Matt's podcast, but GreenMountainSanta.com as well. Matt is such a passionate, professional Santa, and if you thought his Russian accent and his other accents in this chapter were good, you should hear his old man Santa voice for when he talks to the children and adults as Santa Claus. It is amazing. You wouldn't even know he's a young man. But anyway, I am continuously blown away by the talent that all of our guests bring to my little story each and every week, as I am continuously blown away by all of you listeners for eagerly taking this year-long journey with us, which is almost over at this point, and strapping in for the long haul to see where these characters and this plot goes. I appreciate each and every one of you more than you know, and have received some wonderful comments and feedback from all of y'all. So please keep all of that coming, and please, if you're enjoying the story, consider sharing it with your family and friends on your social media feeds while tagging streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, Hallmark, HBO Max, because hey, you never know, in order to get it in front of as many ears as possible, or as many eyes, because the text of each chapter you hear is made available on our website each week as well. So if reading is more of your thing or more of their thing, they can read our weekly installments at www.tisapodcast.com. And if you enjoy Tis the Podcast proper, if you ever want to comment on a movie or television show we discuss, give us feedback on a specific episode, comment on this book, or just interact with us and other listeners of the show in general, check out our social media feeds. All you have to do to get to each one is go to www.tisapodcast.com slash Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, or Facebook group. Our Facebook group is by far the most active of our social media pages. It's always busy, year-round, and not just with Christmas chatter, although that is obviously our primary focus. There's plenty of talk about pop culture, movies, TV shows, memes, and other holidays as well, especially those other Burr Month holidays we all love, like Halloween and Thanksgiving, which lead up to the most wonderful day of the year itself. It's also kind of become a one-stop hub for many of the Christmas podcasts that you know and love on the Christmas Podcast Network. So not only will you find new episodes of Tis the Podcast there and get to interact with Julia, Tom, and myself there, but you'll also find new episodes of Behind the Bells, the Christmas Podcast Podcast, Season's Eatings, Totally Rad Christmas, Christmas Clatter, TGI Podcast, A Cozy Christmas Podcast, Advent Calendar House Podcast, Christmas Conversations, Planning for Christmas, all of your favorites posted there as well. And find all of the hosts of said shows you know and love on the website too. Always willing to interact with anyone and everyone about anything. Everyone within the group has truly become a mini Christmas family at this point, and I know I sound like a broken record, but I really do speak for Tom, Julia, and myself when I say it's a thing we are most proud of in regards to the show. Bringing 
all of these like-minded people together and helping to form a community of people who help one another get through the long year as we count down to the Burr months and the official Christmas season. The year would feel so much longer without all of y'all, and I don't know personally how I got through it before Tis a Podcast and all of you came into my life. So thank you all, and seriously, consider checking out the Facebook group because it will help the long, long days go by faster. If you like Tis a Podcast in general and want more bonus episodes, Christmas cards, enamel pins, ringtones, etc., check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash or www.tissapodcast.com slash Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can get full-length bonus episodes of the show. We are right in the midst of spooky season. From the beginning of September all the way through mid-November, we have an episode scheduled to drop every week, and we plan on making that true for the rest of the year. So after all the spooky season Halloween content at the end of October, you'll get plenty of Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Christmas content as well. So if you're not a patron yet and want more bonus to the podcast content, now is the time to consider joining. If you were a patron who's dropped off, now is the time to consider rejoining. There's so much content up there, it's almost like a separate show at this point. There's truly something for everyone, so check it out, because all the money we receive from y'all gets recycled back into Tis a Podcast proper and helps us put out new swag and improve the quality of our show in general. There are also other free ways to help the podcast besides subscribing to Patreon and engaging with us on and sharing our social media pages. You can help the show in a free way by leaving us a review on iTunes, because every new review helps new listeners to find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Coming up on the show this upcoming Monday, October 18th, we will be discussing Garfield's Halloween Adventure. And later that same night, we will be recording our episode on the 1978 horror classic Halloween with President Hot Dog, a.k.a. Ron Hogan, and Jay Skipworth of Filmstrip Podcast. So that will be a lot of fun, and that will drop in your feeds on Monday, October 25th. Before that, however, on Thursday... October 14th, you'll get to hear Kim Cooper of Planning for Christmas and Tom Crow of Tis a Podcast, obviously, retail chapter 37 of our tale entitled Fairy Tale of New York. And on Thursday, October 21st, you'll get to hear Jackie and Danielle of the No More Late Fees podcast retail chapter 38 of our story entitled Please Come Home for Christmas. Keep your eyes on your podcast feeds because there's lots of great stuff coming up, lots of exciting stuff coming up, but that's not the most exciting news we have for you today. To reveal that, I'm going to throw it back over to Matt. As of the release of this episode, guys, there are only 74 days to Christmas. So make the best of them. Catch y'all later. Merry Christmas. Thanks for that, Matt. How exciting is that? 74 days. That's both exciting and terrifying, which is apt considering we're in the middle of spooky season. So I hope you've all started your shopping and planning your Christmas menus and are getting ready for Thanksgiving because that's coming up soon and have all your Halloween costumes ready. 
And I hope you're all enjoying every second of this Burr Month ride to December 25th, because Christmas 2021 will be here before you know it, and in the blink of an eye, we'll be counting down to Christmas 2022. So, once again, thank you all for your love and support. We couldn't ask for better listeners in the world than all of you. You're truly the best, and we are so lucky we get to consider you all legitimate friends, and so many of you family. Make sure to do your homework, watch Garfield's Halloween Adventure and Halloween 1978, and we shall speak to you on Thursday. Bye, y'all. So this is Christmas, and what have you done? Another year over And a new one just begun And so this is Christmas I hope you have fun The near and the dear ones The Christmas